and the graduate school of St. Paul. Mm. And so he gave a philosophy lecture in Athens and he began with general revelation showing that God, the creator is real. And he Isn't went that from so there cool, to, by the way, that, that's yeah. so cool because that, that's actually what it was. You're not, yep. you're not stretching the, uh, the concept there. It was a no, straight right up there. philosophy lecture. Yep. Yep. He gave where, a philosophy where they give them. It's yeah. a graduate. Yeah, exactly. It's a as I call it, the graduate school of apostle Paul. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Parker's Pensies. I'm your host, Parker Sedecase, and this is a podcast where we explore all the deepest ideas in philosophy, theology, nature, and life. I love thinking about cool stuff, so come think with me. This episode is uh, special. It's a really good one. I have a really uh, awesome guest with me, Dr. Owen Anderson. For the Parker's Pensies regulars, I mean, you guys are going to be stoked because he's back. I don't know how many times this is. It's a lot. We've covered all sorts of stuff. And today we're going to be talking about biblical philosophy, philosophy in the Great Commission. And for the uh, JITS fans out there, we might be talking about uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and uh, philosophy as well. So we'll see where the conversation takes us. I'm really excited for it. Uh, no, not too much promotion today. Look, if you like the podcast, you want to see me continue doing this, you got to support your boy. Um, you can support me on Patreon. That's, that's the best way to do it. You can support for as little as three bucks a month, all the way up to like a hundred. Everything helps. Everything keeps these lights on and feeds my dog, uh, dog food. So please consider doing that without further ado. Let's drag in Dr. Owen Anderson. Oh, man. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks. for Yeah. Thanks for coming back, man. This is a lot. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I always love conversations and, and the dialogues we get into. Totally, man. I, I, um, I have no clue how many times you've been on. Yeah, this is probably like six or seven. Yeah, it's wild. But the, the way we do it, it reminds me of rolling because you don't know, you, you kind of start in one position and you don't know where it's going to go. Right. I like that. Could end up anywhere. I love it. So, so that's the hard thing with like doing the introduction. Cause I'm like, I want to tell people what it's going to be about. But it's like, I don't know. We're yeah. going to find out. We'll see where yeah, it goes. That's the great part though, is you don't always know. And uh, yeah, today you mentioned the great commission. Um, I'm, I'm organizing a conference on February 17th and 18th at Arizona Christian university. Okay about the great commission and how it affects our lives as Christians. And, and since I'm a philosopher, I'll be especially thinking about it in terms of how should that shape our thinking as philosophers? Yeah. Uh, if you want one information about it, go to generalrevelation.org and you'll find the schedule and the YouTube channel link. Is that all? That's all there in person. That's all up there already. Yeah. Cool. Generalrevelation.org. And then you'll, you go there and there's a link for the conference and you'll see the YouTube channel where you can watch it live while it's happening. Awesome. Yeah. I'll put, so I'll link that's just to say, I got the great commission on my mind Yeah. and, uh, yeah, we're told Matthew 28, 18, go into all the world, make disciples of every nation, teaching them to obey, uh, observe all things that have been commanded, baptizing them in the name of the father, son, and the Holy spirit, all of that. What does that mean for philosophy? Right. Not, not just evangelism, but philosophy, I think it gives us some really important uh, guidelines mm. for philosophy. Now, I'm a I'm an academic philosopher. I, I'm been teaching at Arizona State University for 20 years, which is the largest research university in the country. And so I've been around secular philosophy. I've been I've taught at religious schools, also been around religious philosophy. Yeah. And the, the common critique of philosophers is that we don't get anything done. Hmm. Right. Have you heard that before? Yeah, I have. I was I was just listening back on a, my first episode with Mike Humor the other day, and that's one of the one of the um, things that he brings up in his intro, where he says like, it's like this really really common critique of philosophy that it, nothing's changed and you never get anything done. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you're kind of asking the same question. That that was a critique of Socrates that his head's in the clouds. Yeah. And, um, and so philosophers have answered that a couple ways. One is to redefine getting things done. Right. Like, like redefine it so that what we do is getting things done. Yeah. Um, but then there might be others who try to make philosophy look more like like science mm-hmm. and, and and show that philosophy can get things done by being kind of like science. Uh, I'm bringing that up just because I'm wondering as uh, philosophers and Christians, how has philosophy contributed to the Great Commission? Mm. Yeah. Can, can I um... I think that. That that's that's so good. I wanted to to pause and and dive in real deep on yep. um on just philosophy and what is it first, and then we could talk about the Great Commission, and then I think we can pull them together Absolutely. in a really fruitful way. So like, um, I, I think I've heard you say this of yourself on Facebook before. Uh, some sometimes you'll make claims and it'll really like irk a certain school of philosophy, like maybe like the analytics are like, yeah. dude, how could you say that? Me and yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And you'll, uh, you'll say kind of like, a provocateur. Right. Right. But you'll say, Hey, look, I've studied analytic philosophy and I've studied continental philosophy, but I, I think you've said that you consider yourself more of a classical philosopher. Is that right? Yeah. If I had to, if I had to pick a, a name, that's what I would say is classical philosophy. Cause I'm dealing with the classical questions that philosophers have asked. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think, I think things like reason, uh, logic can be used to figure them out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you now so, analytics might say, well, that's us also. So we have right. to say, well, what's the difference between analytic and, and classical? Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you, what is that difference? Is it, is it the, the tools that they use? Is it the methods? Like I, you talked about, um, yeah. well, philosophy. I think just historically the difference, yeah. like, the, like the classical school is asking questions like, does God exist? What's our highest good mm-hmm. and how do we know these things? Whereas analytic philosophy comes out of Bertrand Russell and Frege working on, developing a perfect language, a logical language. And so analytic philosophers in the last hundred years tend to just be trying to clarify terms for a perfect language. But the ones I've worked with have all said, whoa, whoa, we don't, we don't deal with things like, does God exist? No one knows that. Yeah. Um, So they they tend to still be skeptics or atheists. Yeah. Um, How about, um, how about like skeptical theism, right? What's that? That might be called what's called skeptical theists. Oh, um, I don't know. I get skeptical. So, they might, so I'm like, not saying no, there's no, there's many Christians who are analytic philosophers, Yeah, but they, they may take a position, either they become classical philosophers when they talk about God's existence, or they take the position that we really can't prove that that's a matter of faith. Oh yeah. Okay. I think skeptical theism, that term refers to like, Hey, we, uh, there's two camps of like, one is, Hey, uh, why is there evil in the world? Well, it's inscrutable what reasons God could have because he's this different being or like yeah. the, the camp that I fall in more is or more like, uh, like you can't, you'd have to know, you'd have to be God in order to know the greater good that he's, that he has for, uh, uh, allowing evil to exist. Oh no, we'll have to have a whole, a whole show on that. Yeah, that's right. I know that's, to uh, help you know, the, the greatest <laughs> good. I, so I'm with you on this. We've, I, we have talked about this. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I'm with you. Like I, uh, but, yeah, the, the tools for looking at a particular instance of like gratuitous evil. You're like, look, mm-hmm. maybe I don't know why God allowed this to happen. Yeah. Uh, specifically. A specific instance. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right, okay. right. Um, so back, going back to philosophy, um, can you give us a characterization of maybe how you think of classical philosophy versus like continental? We talked about the analytics, but how about mm-hmm. what's the difference between continental philosophy and, and classical? 
Well, it'd be similar. I mean, I think classical philosophy deals with the problem of meaning in life and purpose. Okay. Uh, but uh, continental philosophy especially develops out of the world wars in Europe. Mm-hmm. And the assumption basically start off by saying only matter exists. Mm. And the world wars in one way are like they're proof that there is no God, because if there was a God, there'd be no such things. And since only matter exists, life is meaningless. Mm. And so how are we going to project meaning onto the world? So you get different views of how to do that. Camus says you do it by observing beauty. And uh, Sartre might just say you, you kind of invent your own. Each person does that on their own. Yeah. Um, so it, it's dealing with some assumptions, not necessarily just the question, what's the meaning of life, but the assumptions that we're only we're just matter. They never. Oh, really that's actually that. pretty good. That's a, Yeah, that's a helpful. It's, it's, it's baked into the theory more. That there is yeah. no meaning, so now how are we going to deal with it? Because obviously there's no Precisely, overarching yeah. uh, Well, the thing about Heidegger's book, Being in Time, yeah. basically Heidegger is, he likes Taoist philosophy, mm-hmm. and he's basically starting off with the idea that there's only change. Yeah. There's nothing eternal. So being and time. Yeah. And given that assumption, how do we find meaning in life? Mm-hmm. But I, I would ask, why on earth would we start with that assumption? <laughs> right. Even, even, um, not, not even bringing in like, uh, Hey, look, I'm, I'm from a, a Christian, uh, a Christian perspective, just saying like from a philosophical perspective, why do we start with these loaded? Yeah. Presuppositions like that. There, there is nothing yeah. transcendent. Why that, that should be on the table still. We should answer that yeah. before just proceeding. Yeah. For me, that's where philosophy really begins is that critical examination of all assumptions. Yeah. And I was thinking, I was just thinking today, I just posted about this today that, there used to be something called college music. I just saw that before we came on, and it, I had this really quick chain reaction of like, oh, Dave Matthews. And I was like, oh, wait, who's Dave Matthews today? There's no Dave Matthews Yeah, today. there's no such thing. Yeah, but I was just thinking about like the idea of, of college music, which is you're challenging the system. Yeah. And you're saying to the system, prove it. Like, what's your proof? You want me to live a certain way? Uh, why? Why should <laughs> I do what you say? Yeah. And I don't know if there's anything like that anymore. No, like... Uh, one of the one of the classics was like uh, Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. And they just go on Rage. and on. Like, F you, I'm not going to do what you tell me. And then fast yeah. forward to today, I think I saw someone make like mocking them for like really promoting uh, the, the vaccine when it first came out and being oh, like, Oh, they did. And yeah. And I was just like, Wait, I was this say is that rage. That would be is... more like, Yes, sir, I'll do what you tell me. Right. Do, do, yeah, exactly. Do what the machine says. Yeah. 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 It's, it's really interesting. So there's, so, uh, what I'm, what I'm trying to capture in, in the idea of college music is, is just this, I'm not going to believe what you tell me if you don't have proof. Mm. Give me proof. Yeah. And I think that's really where philosophy begins with that attitude. And that's I think you see that in Socrates, if you have to hold up a particular person, that's the Socratic method. But I find myself, e- even in this kind of discussion with people who call them classical yeah. philosophers, and let me tell you what happens there. Um, what happens there is they'll 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 follow Thomas Aquinas in thinking that Aristotle is the philosopher. Yeah. And in natural theology, which is what I particularly study, here's the problem for that. The idea is that Aristotle got as close as any human can with natural reason to God. Mm. After what Aristotle said, you need the Bible. And I think that's just a complete misunderstanding of clear general relation, that God clearly revealed himself to us in general relation. We rejected it which is why we need redemption in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. So what Aristotle told us is that there's an unmoved mover, but also the material universe had no beginning. Right. And Aquinas says, yeah, you can't prove otherwise. 
by reason. You'd have to have the Bible tell you. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, no, wait a minute, guys. We don't want to say that. We can show the universe had a beginning by reason. Yeah. Um, how, how about, um, like the classic one of that is like, uh, um, yeah, we can know God from general revelation, but we can't know his nature such that he's uh, triune. What, what, what do you make of that? You think you can yeah. know God? Well, the triune? God, God, in other words, you put quotes like we know there's something. Sure. So I, I would say this, this is the definition of God. I'm getting from the Westminster Shorter catechism question four. Mm -hmm. God's a spirit. Mm -hmm. So not material, uh, conscious, infinite, eternal, and unchanging. Those are called the incommunicable attributes mm -hmm. in being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. Mm. I think that's a, the full definition of God. I think you can get all of that from general revelation. Now, when you say the Trinity, you're saying the three persons of the Godhead, they're equally God. Yeah. So to know the Trinity, you'd have to know that definition I just gave you. Mm. The Holy Spirit is a spirit, infinite, eternal, et cetera. The Son is a spirit, infinite, eternal, et cetera. And the father is so to get to the particular persons of the Trinity, you, you, I do think you need redemptive revelation. Okay. But to get to the fact that once you get you to know that they're all God, you have to already know what God is before you come to the scripture. Do you think in, in principle, it's possible to, uh, that the Trinity is revealed in general revelation? It, there are some things in principle where you notice, uh, especially this is the one I would lean toward is that, the highest unity is a unity of diversity. Yeah. Amen. And so I think the particulars, here's, I think, a Protestant truth. The, re the Reformed truth begins this way. You only know God as he's revealed himself to us. Mm -hmm. That's why we speak of general revelation and special revelation. And so we wouldn't know God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit unless they reveal themselves to us. Now, how much of that's in general revelation um, I think we're we're responsible generation specifically for unbelief about God, yeah. as I just define God, yeah. not for rejecting the Son, who's revealed in Scripture. Right. But if you were to say, yeah, look, there's uh, there's there's a number of pagan systems, including the Egyptians and Babylonians, that recognize this idea of diversity in the highest unity. I think the Stoics had had a, a type of Trinity as well. Um, I mm -hmm. forgot who, but yeah, um, yeah. Okay, that's that's really fascinating. Um, Oh shoot! I had another good one. Uh, I'll, I'll come back to it. But when when I I really I'm really intrigued by classical uh, philosophy because for so long I was admiring the analytics and also beefing with them because mm -hmm. because of their so many were materialists and stuff. But then I was like, look, I I actually I just want to be a philosopher. Uh, if so, mm -hmm. I would yeah. I would talk about people would say, hey, what are you what are you studying? I'm like, I'm studying philosophy, and they go, what do you think of Nietzsche? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't really like. Yeah, I, don't, you know, I don't know. Ask me about Quine or someone. But yeah, but I figured the, the popular audience has a particular view of what it means to be a philosopher. That doesn't define everything that I want. But I want to at least match that. Like, if you if you guys yeah. are reading it, if abstract thinkers, non philosophers, but abstract thinkers think something yeah. about, I want to have something to say about it. And like you said, yeah. with the the Great Commission, if I'm a Christian, I want to be able to have these conversations anyway. So let me go yep. and read Nietzsche alongside of Timothy Williamson, you know? Yeah, well, absolutely. I think that's part of just uh, what you just said it, it encapsulates it perfectly. Mm. And, and that's one reason, you know, when I was undergraduate, I did degrees in philosophy, history, and religious studies. Mm. And my, my philosophy degree was heavily analytic. Yeah. But in religious studies, I got a lot of continental, okay. both through anthropologists and also psychologists. And then in history, I did intellectual history. And I think that allowed me to see an important truth, which is that there are fads. There's intellectual fads. Yeah. Intellectuals are just like everyone else. 
Yeah. So some people are are doing keeping up with the Kardashians. The intellectuals have their own fads. Right. And they come and go. I, I don't want to attach myself to them because I realize, yeah, I mean, so-and-so is popular today. In a decade? No. What I'm looking at is lasting fruit. And I think that's one of the things the scripture teaches us is, well, you'll know them by their fruit. Mm. What fruit did Quine produce? Mm. Uh, and I, I mean both in philosophically and personally. How was his personal life? How was Bertrand Russell's personal life? So so that, that seems like a, a very classical philosopher type thing to ask because uh, um, apparently, look, I'm not a historian of philosophy or anything, but apparently that was a, a much bigger part of philosophy going back was character what, building yeah what kind of life did your yeah. teacher lead Absolutely. and they would write yeah. they would write autobiog or they would write biographies about um the non-intellectual side you know non-intellectual whatever if it's not integrated side of the the teacher because that was part yeah. of like their credibility absolutely because the idea is that the more you know the truth the more virtuous you can be yeah and so part of what the modern world has done is it's disconnected those two. Socrates kept them together, but the modern world disconnected those two. And so they say, yeah, look, Bertrand Russell, he's making all these advances in logic. Sure, his life's in a wreck, morally yeah, speaking. Right. But he, he's doing great in logic. Isn't that important? I'm, I'm thinking, uh, no, I mean, great. I, I mean, good for him, I guess. And, but remember who? Remember, remember in the early early world, early Genesis, who the people were who were doing all the inventing, metallurgy, ranching, music. Hmm. These were all the sons of Cain. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. So they, I'm, they those, I'm not saying city. those aren't important. Sure. Yeah, I'm not saying those aren't important developments, but at the same time, you could develop metallurgy and end up alienated from God, your creator. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some, some, a, a recent, a story that I recently came upon was, I believe it's Thales and the Olives. Uh, you, you familiar with this one at all? Maybe it's, maybe it's hmm. apocryphal, uh, and it could not be Thales. Oh, but... the olive presses. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He like cornered the market. Cause he, someone said that philosophy is not practical or something like that, or you should yeah. be rich if, if this actually works. And I think who knows if this story is true. Right. But out of spite, he was like, I'm going to go corner the market on the olive presses. Cause in like two years, there's going to be huge growth and I'm going to make a bunch yeah. of money. And it was like, yeah, and that, that idea is fascinating to me too. Not that like a philosopher should be wealthy, but if you are sharpening your mind and thinking about reality and figuring things out, look, you should be working towards being a virtuous person, but perhaps also you could do like decent, uh, uh, economics, like at least your own home yeah. could be yeah. in order, you know? And that's, that's something that I've been thinking about too, of whether or that's not really that... what the word economics means, right? Oikos your household. Oh yeah, sure. Like, is your own house in order? Yeah, right. Yeah, it starts from like the house and moves out into the broader society. Um, and so that's just something I'm thinking about where I'm like, I want to be a philosopher. That means I, I want to be philosophical in everything I do, including my finances and including like mm -hmm. perhaps even the way I dress and carry myself. Yeah. Yeah. You, is, is that well, a part how of you it? present yeah. yourself? Yeah. It is. It, it, you know, we, I guess we could do a, a whole talk on that. Um, uh, I worked with Robert George at Princeton for a year. And he always mm. wears really nice three piece suit. He looks great. Yeah. He's got a personal tailor who makes it fit perfectly. And yeah. so he might think, you know, that's what it means to really present yourself. Well, I <laughs> yeah. like the principle. I'm not sure that application follows for everybody. I, right. I can't, that's a good I can't point. hire a tailor myself. Right. And so my point. stuff looks a little more baggy when I wear it compared to him. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a really good point. And, and, um, so this is something one of my professors, Brandon Rickabaugh, uh, I think through, because I, I like the, um, 
I do like the wool look of a professor. Like mm-hmm. if, if yeah. someone, if that helps someone listen to me, fine, do whatever. That's fine. Uh, Brandon's got like this, uh, like techno philosopher look and it's completely mm-hmm. different, but it totally makes sense. Cause that's what he's yeah, working on too. Out. And it's like, Oh wow, that's really cool. Another well, thing. I don't mind. Yeah. Go ahead. I've interrupted you. Sorry. Well, uh, well, another thing was, um, I hope I'm not putting all his stuff out here. I, I don't think I am, but, um, he, he would, he would tell students, um, you know, just call me Brandon. And then, um, mm-hmm. JP Moreland was like, Hey, look, if they want to call you doctor, this is part yeah. of their education, part of the, uh, surrounding part of, part of the academic environment. You don't have to tell them to do that, but if they want to, then let them call you doctor. Mm-hmm. Cause they're paying yeah. a lot of money to come here and learn in a, prof- yeah. you know, in this setting. And that struck me where I'm like, okay, that mm-hmm. that's fascinating. I want to help you learn. Um, yeah. and if this helps you take things more seriously, let's do it. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, doctor, uh, I tell the students a reference you might know, but my current students don't know it. I tell them I didn't go to six years of evil philosophy school to be called Mr. Uh, Anderson. You know the reference? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mr. Anderson. All right, good. They don't know it anymore. Yeah. Like, what? That's sad. Uh, but but I think, um, yeah, I think there's something to that, but I also think that it's regionally true. Like, yeah. I don't think I should have to dress like a, an English or Scotsman in Phoenix, Arizona when it's yeah. 110 out. It looks, right? and it, it would so, look out of place. You'd look like you're, um, you're performing or something. It would look odd. Yeah. I just be, you'd be pouring and sweat true, out yeah. and, and it's like, so look, I mean, I'm in the desert, right? I, I'm, I'm thinking maybe we bring back togas. That's what they were Dude, for. It keeps for you sure, cool. Man. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so maybe we can jump back in, you know, you know, we'll put a pin in there, but maybe yeah. we can come back to, um, uh, well, let me mention something real quick. Yeah. That I think this will bridge sure. it. Whitewashed tombs. Mm-hmm. You can tell me from your experience, and I'll tell you from my experience, but philosophers have a certain view of themselves, professional philosophers I'm speaking about here, certain view of themselves. And so earlier when I said I'm a provocateur, what I meant was one of the things I do is I kind of poke pretensions yeah. on purpose because people take themselves really seriously. Yeah. And so if you if you poke it a little bit and, and you'll just see them erupt and it's like, wow, that response is way overboard from huh. uh, you, you should be able to calm down and not take yourself so seriously. Yeah. But their view of themselves doesn't match up with what they're giving. And I think that's part of what what Jesus was getting at with the Pharisees. They claim to be a certain thing, but inside they're dead. Hmm. So philosophers think of themselves as really smart. But at the end of the day, they can't even show simple things about God's existence. Hmm. Maybe some of them get to something like an unmoved mover, but that's a far ways from what I just define God as. Mm-hmm. And so how do we match up the, the view of themselves with the reality? Mm-hmm. And especially when we start adding in not just true and false, but, de- but words that the Bible uses quite often, life and death. Yeah. Are professional philosophers helping you? you you've, you've spent a lot of time in professional philosophy circles. Are they helping you achieve life? Mm-hmm. Or have they drained that time away and really replaced it with not much? Yeah. So I have kind of an odd experience here. Uh, All the, not all, most of the philosophers I've been engaged with have actually been like really cool. And maybe that's Mm -hmm. self-selection because I only have people on if I kind of know their stuff and kind of know their work a little bit. But honestly, dude, the the people I think of when you were describing that a lot of times are theologians. Mm, And that's actually, that's probably the ones who blow up the most at me. Yeah. It's really sad. And and this, this I had theologians like like telling me I have to believe them because they wrote a book on it and they have I know they're telling me I'm a doctor. I was thinking to myself, 
doesn't... They, they must not know who I am. I'm a doctor too. Yeah, right? it's like, really wild. I don't, I don't bring that out in conversations. They're like, you have to believe me, I'm a doctor. It makes no sense. Yeah, it's like, who cares? Like, especially when you go through the academic like circles and you see like, oh, some of these people are stupid smart and some of them are just kind of going through the motions and everyone's going to achieve this this thing of doctor or, you know, or I'm in the master's program. So it's like, okay, this guy really knows his stuff. This guy actually doesn't. They're both going to be masters. So if they just say, hey, I'm a master's student, like, yeah. what does that mean? So what? I, I need well, you to and, talk and, to and that they can be mistake what smart is. Some guy who knows eight languages, sure. eight, seven of them are dead. Uh, but he, you know, he can't even tell you why we need redemption. Yeah. Yeah. So he'd view himself as super, I'm among the most intelligent people who ever lived. Eh, I mean, maybe in one sense, but I guess here's where, where it might come down to for what you and I can relate to. I yeah. know we'll talk a little bit later in the show about jujitsu, yeah. but we both know that the belt only tells you so much. Totally. hundred percent. And different gyms might award belts at different rates. So the, at the end of the day, where you find out the truth is on the mat. Yeah. And I see the same thing with proof, right? The truth is in proof. And so you could have a brilliant philosopher who can tell you all about modal logic. And he's right. You know, everything he says is correct about modal logic. He's right about that stuff. Has he helped you any closer to eternal life? Yeah. That's what I want to know. Maybe, maybe not. I, that's what I'm trying to figure out. So I'm, I'm, I'm painting with a broad brush here because I'm not naming names. Sure. That's not my goal today. So you might be able to point out, no, this person and this person. Yeah. But I've been around APA. I've been around this stuff for a while. Yeah. And, and if I was to ask them, hey, what's eternal life? It wouldn't even register on their mind. They think this guy's a nut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And oh, so that's a tough, that's a tough criterion because um, the, the really arrogant uh, theologians I have in mind would be able to tell me that. Um, and then if you push back on their theory, they would know though. I, actually, rage I, don't, I was going to say yes, but I don't think so because what they, and this is where I actually, if you, if you look at my Facebook, yeah. this is where I tend to get the most heated responses when I tell them they're wrong about the beatific vision. Mm. That basically when you, when you ask them what's eternal life, they all become Greek mystics and they think Plato's allegory of the cave is the Christian life. Uh, and I start giving some counter examples like, no, that's incorrect. And that's when they, you really see tempers start flaring. Are you, are these like, uh, like traditional Catholics or? No, there's a lot of reform guys who, who I think they want to become Dominican monks. Okay. So they're making Thomas Aquinas, like yeah, there's the a guy. Yeah. It's interesting. Like the reform guys are all going after the Dominican life. Evangelicals have, have for a while been Jesuits, right? Yeah. Molinism and futurist eschatology and revelation. Those are both Jesuit views developed in the 1600s. Mm. So it's like, Protestants, do we not have our own stuff? <laughs> well, so yeah, they're, they're, they're reinventing this idea of the, or, or reinvigorating this idea of the beatific vision, which is like this thing where you stare at being itself forever. Yeah. It, it doesn't seem to match up with scripture <laughs> at all. Like, mm -hmm. and yeah. May well, I ask one question and it always gets them. Is it cognitive? Oh yeah. And it's been weird because I thought it's an easy question, but it really, they get really mad at me for asking it. Cognitive means you have beliefs like God is eternal. Yeah. Or is it an, just a pure experience? Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. they just, they want to say it's a pure experience and that's just not what we see in Revelation. If you're praising God, you're using beliefs. You're saying something like God is holy, which is cognitive. Well, isn't that odd that a lot of, a lot of the, um, a lot of the theologians, look, I, I love theologians. I, I went, you know, you guys mm -hmm. come on. Yep. I love you guys, but I also have beef with you. And I know you pretty well. Um, 
a lot of them will talk about being holistic. We are not brains on sticks. We are psychosomatic unity. And you're like, well, okay, that's just a, that's great. Yeah. You know, the Greek that sounds like integrated, you know, uh, interaction, interactive dualism. So I don't, I don't see why you're, you're as if we don't have souls or something. Yeah. But, um, it's, it's odd, uh, when they'll talk about being a whole integrated person and then really just slash off the, uh, the intellect, right? It used to be mm -hmm. like, it was all about intellect and we needed to open up our hearts and stuff like that and realize we're more than just a brain. And now it's kind of gone the opposite way where it's like, no, we, there's this yeah. non-cognitive, just you're participating in being and you're like, well, are you becoming yep. God? And they're like, no, yep. no, I've had them tell me we become God. And I, I yeah. said, what, what are you talking about? And they'll put, they'll give me scriptures where it's like, be like God. Yes, you should yeah. be like God. But there's three incommunicable attributes and yeah. we never have them. We're never infinite, eternal, or unchanging. Yeah. Um, okay. So you prompted this question. I forgot to write down, but I'm so excited now that, that you prompted it. Um, so in this, this new view of the beatific vision, whether it's new or not, whatever, someone will debate, but um, it's not insofar as it's not Let's say it's play it's Plato's view. He got it from the Egyptians. Yeah. And the medievals taught it and put it into Christianity. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that doesn't mean that it's, it's wrong. No, it doesn't still, mean it's false. Yeah. Right. You still have to like make the arguments and stuff. Got to give a proof. Right. Yep. Um, so I was wondering about this, man. Do you think that there's going to be philosophy in the new heavens and the new earth when we have glorified risen bodies are we still going to be philosophizing or are we all going to have the same like oh yeah totally obviously we are uh you know dualists and stuff like will, will there still be opportunity you think for philosophizing i think i mean depending on how i define it yes yeah. right but i think i think we'll still be thinkers okay and critical thinkers i mean all the more would it almost be like you won't be able to avoid it just the opposite right versus there won't even be any everyone will want to know these things but Okay, so um, I there's this kind of uh, like simplistic view from evangelical circles that when you go to heaven, because you never talk about new heavens, new earth, it's always about heaven, and maybe you're floating yep, around, maybe evangelings, but now we know in part, then we'll know in full. And that's probably why we get this beatific vision pushback, is yeah. because of the simplistic view. I go to I go to heaven and play volleyball, cloud volleyball, for right? And God's not even really there. Um, yeah, but. Uh, they, they, they have this idea that like, there's just this information download that's like, now I know in part, yeah. then I will know in full. And they, you know, not thinking about the context of that or who or what we're knowing in full. And so they yeah. think like, eh, it might be or kind of boring. Yeah. It might be kind of yeah. boring that like, I'll know everything. So I wanted to push mm -hmm. back on that, but also think like a big part of philosophizing is, Hey, we, we have this question and uh here's a potential solution to it and then another philosopher says well have you you've overlooked this or even that question isn't formed right blah yeah. blah but you know with with like god there like we can just ask jesus right and jesus what yeah. do you think do we have a soul and maybe he'll just straight up tell us would that like ruin that yeah. that that question then well two things yeah respond to the download view well we already had we know everything because it's downloaded well you can't know everything you're never infinite so well, you can't well, ever know what everything. About, you always what about, have more to think about. What about everything that... Oh, okay. That's interesting. What about... So there's... Um, we're never going to know certain things about like what it's like to be God or something, right? There's creator-creature distinction. But there's a maybe well, and, a set and, for for finite beings to know. Could we know that I whole think set? That we'll, I think what we'll spend our time doing, and this is exactly how it's portrayed in Revelation, is peering into the works of God. Okay. That's the main thing against the beatific vision. We're not staring at something... We're looking at the works of God and and 
for this reason, to know the glory of God. Mm. And that will be never ending. We'll never get to a point where we say, yeah, I've already looked into the works of God. God has done so much. <laughs> That's a good point. That we'll never finish doing that and, 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 and singing that song of Revelation, holy, holy, holy. So you'll be adding to that forever. Now, the other one you gave was testimony. Jesus told me. Yeah. But even then, you don't know it yet. You can just quote Jesus. You only know it when you can give the proof of why it's true. Oh, so, so asking Jesus doesn't really give you knowledge. So I, I would maybe, maybe that's maybe I have a dif different understanding, and you can correct me here. I would say you like I know equals mc squared. I know that I can tell you that, but I I don't like understand it because I can't explain it to you. So I would make like a decision. Yeah, I use I'm using those two the same. Okay, that's one of the things I've had to correct in in analytic philosophy, reformed epistemology is no, that's not knowledge. This guy Jones doesn't know that the person who gets the raise has ten coins in his pocket. Okay. Do you think that, uh, like, do you think you have to be certain? Uh, are you like an infallibleist about knowledge? Um, pretty close. Okay. Uh, I, I would maybe consider some some possibilities where you're mistaken, but minimally, this you might give a proof that relies on statistics, but it's a sound statistical proof. Okay. Um, but. Like, but otherwise, knowing, yeah, knowing means you, you don't just have a true opinion, but you can show you can give an account of it in the Greek. Okay, so all the externalists are pulling out their hair right now. They're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I would just say it doesn't just redefining knowledge to equal, you know, things without proof doesn't actually give you knowledge, right? There's still something called knowledge. Yeah. Do you, you could call it blowledge, whatever you call it. That's what I want. Well, so I want to chase this a little bit because I. Part, partially because you Good, are, you're, and here's how we bridge it because we're coming up to the knowledge of God. Yeah. That's how. Well, and and you are a gadfly, and this is a different perspective than you'll get a lot because there's mm -hmm. it's not like there's just a ton yeah. of classical philosophers running around, and if yeah. there are, it's not like they're aware of the analytic stuff too. So you're kind of a mm -hmm. you're kind of yeah. an odd duck here, which is fun. Yeah. Um, I do. You, do you have a smaller set of uh of of things you know? because of this like internalist uh criterion you have like do you know that yeah you're i'm okay with that do you, are, do you know that you're talking to me right now i do think i could show that okay but i'm also okay with a smaller list like i'm okay distinguishing between knowledge and common sense uh, and knowledge and intuition i think those are all three different things and a lot of what the reformed epistemologists want to call knowledge is really intuition Okay. Can you, um, okay. 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 So you have this intuition and you can turn that into knowledge by maybe reflecting on it or being able to, yeah. uh, being able to explain why it's true. Yeah. It'd be something like, uh, I'm appeared to beautifully. I've seen a sunset, but you got to put it into, uh, into difficult to understand language to be a philosopher. Yeah. Uh, I'm appeared <laughs> to right. beautifully. That's right. Therefore God exists. Yeah. And that, and that's a kind of proof without a proof because it's just my mind was made by God. This is where they, they critique the Vantillians for being circular. Yeah. Here's this, this is, this is circle in reformed epistemology. Same thing. Uh, my mind was made. So when I see beauty, I believe God in the right epistemic environment. Well, well, how would you know that? Because God made it that way. Okay. So that's, that's my biggest problem with externalism is it just seems like it, like you said, look, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm, I'm scared of using all the strong language because I still am trying to get into a PhD program sometimes. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, I can be the provocative <laughs> That's one. That's right. Well, I mean, here's the reason why people, I mean, I can back up and be nuanced. Yeah. I'm fine. And I am that way sure. most of the time, but, but in certain situations, the provocative, provoking, provoking your, your uh, interlocutor 
is important because they don't see what they're taking for granted. Right. And so with the externalism, um, like my friend Tyler McNabb, I love him, but I think he made me into an internalist. I asked him about uh, about Neo in the Matrix, and I said, once once he wakes up out of the Matrix for the first time, in my head, I think that he's just totally jacked for any of his beliefs because he's been systematically deceived. Maybe not that he exists, you know, maybe, we, maybe that's fine, but at least that like now he's in base reality, like no way. And, and yeah, you wake up, you'd be like, oh, this is a, I've always thought the same thing. Yeah. Maybe this is their backup program for when someone 100%. starts to get a little too clever. Why not? And why not 60,000 of those? Because how hard mm-hmm. is it to program that, that just snap it in once he's, he wakes up another yep. level. And then why even think that the robots are, you know, the whole thing gets jacked up once you realize you've been systematically deceived with that in mind. I, I, um, Tyler was like, Hey man, uh, it doesn't really matter. It just matters whether he's in the good case or not. And I'm like, well, how does he know that? And, and the externalists say, well, you don't need to know that. I'm like, you Uh, absolutely need to know that because then, and, and, and the the only way to know it is with internalist knowledge. That's what, yeah. Every externalist becomes an internalist when they try to defend externalism or they end up in this circle. I just showed you. Yeah, they don't. My, my experience has been that they won't. They'll just say like, you don't, you don't need to know that you're in the good case. And I I want to, that's what I said. It's just, yeah. That's just redefining knowledge. Yeah. Like, I know something that I don't really know. I want to hedge because um, I, I know some of these dudes will just eat my lunch. But I'm just saying, like, this is, this is in, as I'm thinking about it, this is where I'm at. Well, here, it's just like jujitsu. There are certain basic principles. Yeah. And there's going to be guys who are stronger, faster, more athletic than you. But at the end of the day, circular reasoning doesn't give us knowledge. Yeah. And some guy might be able to <clears throat> take you out to lunch in other ways, but... Circular reason still doesn't give us knowledge. Yeah. So what the externalist is, is a skeptic about internalist knowledge. They've accepted skepticism and then they've tried to find some other route to something I'd call intuition. Mm-hmm. And then they still have to deal with the problem. Well, what if your intuitions are mistaken? Yeah. And they often are. I mean, most of us have, have experienced it. Our intuitions have been wrong. Yeah. That's another funny one that people people like uh have different understandings of where some people will say intuitions are like supposed to be necessary truths and others are like no what that's not how we use it at all um it the whole yeah it's all it's also tricky man well okay so um well i think as long as you're doing this as long as you're remembering that knowledge is propositional oh dude god is real you just that's what we're talking about. Yeah. If you're if you change that, then you're talking about something else. And I'm willing to grant a lot of other stuff. And fine, yeah, we're not even talking about knowledge anymore, propositions. But as long as I'm about propositions, you have to be able to show why you think it's true. Well, can, if you don't mean propositions, fine. Can you? Then we're talking about something else. Can you know how to ride a bike without knowing that proposition? Yeah, but that's where the word knowledge is ambiguous. That's know how. So, but but that is a right? case when of I'm knowledge. I'm talking about knowledge right now. I'm talking about proposition. Uh, wait, I thought you said when you're, I thought you're making the claim that all knowledge is propositional knowledge. Uh, that, that, that's, that's the kind of top, that's the kind of talk about right now. Yeah. So someone says, well, I can ride a bike, but I can't explain it. Yeah. Right. You know how to do something, which is a different sort of thing. But it's still knowledge, using right? the word no. Well, uh, I think we'd probably say there's knowledge by acquaintance. Like of persons and knowledge. And, yeah. How, yeah. Person. Yeah. Knowing, knowing how, and then knowing that, yep. which is the third That's one. That's propositional. Right yeah. So, so I, I know you by acquaintance and I can, knowing that I can tell you things, tell people about things about you. Yeah. 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 Okay. Just, and I think just when it comes sure. down to it, even, even knowing how probably does reduce to knowing that it's just that it requires reflection. Yeah. I've, I've heard that one too. Um, 
But I'm but right now I'm saying I'm willing to grant. Yeah. There's multiple uses of the word no. Cool. Some of them aren't propositional. I'm I'm talking about propositional gotcha. knowledge requires justification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, think about the getter example. It's I I saw through this freshman year 101 class. He's told by his boss that he'll get the raise. And he knows from past experience he has 10 coins in his pocket. Testimony and memory aren't certain. Your boss changes his mind. There's a hole in your pocket and some of the coins fall out. You don't know that the guy with 10 coins in his pocket is going to get the raise. Um, if my boss doesn't change his mind and there's no hole in my pocket, well, couldn't you, then couldn't you just accidentally, the guy with 10 couldn't, coins. couldn't you accidentally know, right? Oh, I guess you're saying no. No, that's the whole point. There's of no such thing as accidental. It's not an knowledge. accidental opinion. No yeah. such thing as Socrates deals with that. What about um? What about if you're driving through barn territory, fake barn territory? There's one good barn in the whole county. The rest are all they've been blown over and they you know they put up a facade. But you you yeah, you're yeah. you're sleeping in the back seat. You you wake up and you just so happen to look at the one true barn and go, hey, the, that that's a barn. I know that's a barn. Um, yeah. Like, does it matter that there's other fake barns in that territory? No, because I think what you'd say if you're if you're being careful is you'd say, "Yeah, I I I, I saw a barn. I saw what appeared to be a barn." What appeared? Yeah, because then you can kind of yeah. Someone would off. say, "Well, have you ever been wrong about that?" Oh yeah, I have been. So I we'll have to go back and double check, and we'll walk around it and touch it. My favorite was uh, hmm. I'm I'm on a beautiful English countryside. I prefer honestly the desert, but whatever. <laughs> and I look out there. And there's a sheep in the field. Yeah. It's really a white rock. Yeah. But there's a sheep laying down behind it <laughs> yeah, that I can't sounds... see. I haven't heard the white rock. And... Usually I hear like a sheep dog, but this one's better. Yeah. So I tell my my friend, oh, there's a sheep in the field. And I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's just not, not for the reason I think it is. And when you tell people that's what philosophers spend their time on, they say, all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so you, just going off that case, do you think that guy doesn't know that there's a sheep in the field? Uh, yeah, he doesn't. Cause if you were to ask him point out like the sheep, right? This thing right here. Yes. This thing right here is the sheep. It isn't man. It's yeah, a white rock. Yeah. You don't know that there's a sheep. That's a, that's just, that's too commonsensical, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's... Well, that's the thing. Common sense, intuition, and knowledge are all different things. I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's good. I'm just saying like, so that, for... that answer is too reasonable. It, it's just too easy. <laughs> it's, oh, yeah. it's so good. You just cut through everything. Here's the other one. The present king of France is bald. Analytic philosophers spend time on that. I love this one, dude. The present king of France is bald. Yeah. I, I Or the barber who only shaves those who don't oh, shave Oh, these are themselves. so good. I love these. The, the pre- They're fun. I, I call These are like t- like how, how juniors break their teeth, cut their teeth, right? Yeah. You throw them some of this stuff, junior year of logic, and they yeah. have fun with it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. But you know what? At the end of the day... You're spiritually dead before God because you rejected him. How's philosophy going to help you with that? Yeah. I mean, you could be like an elder at your church and still be a, a you know, philosophical logician or something. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and yeah. work on. Yeah. I, yeah. That's so good. Yep. Um, okay. So, so um, thinking so that goes to the great commission. Yeah. And here's how. Yeah. Yeah. You, we ought to know God. And I'm with that full definition, not just some vague shadow. We should know God's a spirit who's infinite, eternal, and unchanging, and being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. And we didn't, so we need redemption. Now that we're redeemed, we should teach this to the whole world. The goal is, is given to us in Isaiah eleven nine, 9, 
or Habakkuk 2.14, that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, I think the Great Commission is really just another way of phrasing what's said there in Isaiah and Habakkuk. It's telling us how it happens. It doesn't just magically happen. You go into the world and you make disciples. And really, that's going back to the very first commandment that humans were given. Mm-hmm. Be fruitful and multiply, fill in the earth. And humans sometimes think that just means have lots of babies. Yeah. But you could fill the earth with unbelievers, unbelieving babies. What if you have lots of canes? Yeah, this this um this can be drawn out by just thinking about colonizing Mars. And you're like, look, uh, should we colonize Mars? And it's like, well, it depends. Um, should we turn it into a penal colony with just our worst horrible, you know, yeah. probably not, right? Like, it depends on what you mean. Um, but but they used to send people to Australia. I know, and right? Now we'll send them to Mars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This the Australians turned out okay. Um, I know. I was going to say, now everyone wants to go vacation. There. That's right. I guess they had another like rich colony over there too that that no one ever talks about. Um, so well, yeah. So yeah, we want we want to fill the earth, and 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 so there's a couple things going against evangelical philosophers on this one. Yeah. The first is they tend to be pre-mill dispensationalists, so they don't believe the Great Commission will even be be completed. You think it's the, a, the Christian like philosophers? Saying, you've, you've noticed that Christian philosophers as well. Are, oh, are pretty, among the evangelicals, that's definitely. Interesting. Yeah. I guess I never really talked. I, to I mean, that's about just that. what bio bio's faith statement is. Is oh, that's right. I forgot about that. That's true. Um, when I uh, I taught there and I had to sign a thing saying I, I'm post mill. Yeah, they let you still in the door. Mm, they still let me in. Yeah, nice. Because I wasn't. I was teaching a class on natural law, so it wasn't okay. like that came up. That's something that Trinity just changed. Uh, the uh, evangelical free church just said like, yeah, you don't got to be pre mill. But that was like one of their mm-hmm. only things that they could agree on, which was pretty wild back in the day. Yeah yeah you but that but so they've got that going so yeah. that's like that's like saying yeah the great commission is never fulfilled or not by the church maybe it's fulfilled when christ returns but the church doesn't fulfill it which, which is the post-millennial view which says yes the church does do that yeah so christ rules so what are you, are you, from heaven at the right hand of god until his enemies are made his footstool and then he returns are you um are you an amel are you a millennial no, post-mill you're post-mill yeah oh, i thought you were just arguing against post-mill dude no, I was saying that's what I wrote down that I'm post mill. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, dispensationalists. But the post mill view is that the earth is filled with the knowledge of God through yeah. the work of the church. We do, in fact, disciple the nations. Yeah. The amillennial view says it kind of continues, city of God and city of man next to each other until Christ returns. That's how. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm. I'm. That's where I'm at. Um, no, I need eschatology of victory, man. Well, it's still victory. Let's do it. It's still victory. It just doesn't have to be complete victory before he comes back. <laughs> Total. All of his enemies are made as footstool. Yeah. They're all submitted. Yeah. Chokeholds to the end. <laughs> That's good. Um, okay. Uh, real quick, you said you, you talked about knowing God. And, and I know you have this culpable ignorance view that like everyone should know God. Should everyone yeah. know God? Should everyone know God? propositionally or is this everyone should know god by acquaintance or both so that's what always comes up is the problem of knowing so we distinguish common sense uh intuition i would add in their tradition which is testimony of other humans sure and then knowledge where you have a belief and you can show why it's true and i i mean that last one well don't, doesn't don't we don't you show that it's true through those other means like through testimony through like like, uh, for instance, God told me they could this, be... right? Like that, that's how I, how do you know that's true? God told me like that. That's a case well, that could happen, right? Yeah. And, and guess what happened? That was exactly how it went down in the garden. Yeah. So, so that's and just it didn't like a... stop there. So God told you that 
did he really? And why did he tell you that? Maybe he doesn't want you to be like him. Yeah, I mean, you could, you could, and, doubt and they it, didn't, they but... failed. They failed right there. Yeah. The first test in history was a philosophy test about our knowledge yeah, of God. Yeah. From general revelation, or you might say, well, no, it's special revelation because he he told them, except for to respond to Satan, they needed to know general revelation because he questioned the testimony of God. So, what's the general revelation that they're using to to? You can't be God. Oh, okay. So if now a talking snake comes along and tells you you can know good and evil the way God they're does, reflecting on, like yeah, reflecting on possibilities, right? So, like, oh, so that like po- is possibility the thing that's in general revelation that they're u- utilizing to? to I don't go- even know if it's possibility. It's just God knows good and evil without a beginning, eternally. I was created five hours ago. <laughs> I can't ever become without beginning. That's like a little kid can know that. You have nieces or nephews? Yeah. Ask them if they're like three. You, they'll know that. Hey, if something had no beginning, can another thing that did have a beginning start to have no beginning? Oh, oh yeah, start not. to have no beginning. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the essence of, of Lucifer's uh, challenge in the garden is, hey, God, you could be just like him. And that's really been the central sin ever since, right? What if you... Putting yourself in the place I want to get God. sci-fi really quick. What if you... Do it. What if, okay, let's say the apple does give you God's powers, except for... So, so you're everlasting, but you're not eternal. Yeah. Um. So I eat this apple. Everlasting and eternal are different. So I think right. we're already everlasting. Yeah. So if if you have like a B theory of time, then like the the past moment is actual too. So if you had these powers of time travel or whatever, you could go back in time and make yourself exist in every moment of time. You'd be older, but you you wouldn't go back and have no beginning. Like any time point you went to has something before it, or even if you go back to the very first thing, you're the first thing that was made. Yeah. You still had a beginning. What if, um, that's the Aryan controversy. They would say Christ was the first thing made and the, the Orthodox say, no, no, not made no beginning. Yeah. If you, um, I don't know if I would, I would, uh, if I'm just guessing about you, I would guess that you probably are a B theorist when it comes to time. Is that right? Well, I think it's, I think it's essentially a difference between, uh, eternal and temporal. So we were talking about Heidegger earlier. Uh-huh. And he thinks there's only temporal being. Yeah. And I'd say there's both. There's eternal being and there's temporal being. So I think yeah. both of those describe, A and B describe those two things. Sure. So if I if I stepped out of time, would I no longer have a beginning? Yeah, I don't think we can be eternal in that sense. Yeah. We're always changeable. Okay. So I think these, the, I think the incommunicable attributes go together necessarily: eternal, unchanging, and infinite. Okay. So you can't be unchanging but temporal. Yeah. This is good, man. This is. Um, I'm so tempted to bring well, in. This, yeah. It kind of illustrates a point, which is that if we get certain basic things in place, other problems get solved somewhat quickly. So you said about the sheep in the field, it's such common sense and it's like such a, a, an easy response. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the stuff that the, the analytics has spent their time on the last hundred years should have been like that if we had other things in place. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's like, that's how Milton, uh, Milton in paradise lost. He's describing the, the demons in hell. And there's a group of them on a hill discussing the intricacies of free will and predestination. Yeah. So in hell they're doing. Lewis has they're that doing too. philosophy. Yeah. In the, in the, uh, the Great Divorce, there's they have a theology club in hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that's so good. 
Yeah. yeah. But they're not, but the whole point is they're not getting like, they want to seem sophisticated. Yeah. They want to seem like they know all the arguments. Honestly, that really turns me off. I think it's again, going back to jujitsu, it's just like some guy bragging about how good he is. Yeah. It's like, maybe you are, but maybe you're not. I mean, let's, let's look at it. Let's see. Yeah. That's something, um, in jujitsu, I, I, it was, it was hard for me at first because in wrestling, there is no belt system. You know, I, I grew up yeah. as a wrestler since I was in first grade and it's, yeah. it's keep what you kill and you yeah. actually don't wear your medals around. Like no one can see. Yeah. It's yep, just like, exactly. how good are you? And you don't really talk trash cause you know, there's always someone who can, there's going to be someone. You. Yep. Yeah. And then in, in jujitsu, it's this odd thing of, you know, you line up by belt and actually yeah. that's kind of cool. It's kind of like some respect there. So I've learned yeah. like, Hey, look, this guy, maybe I can stomp him, but he's two belts higher than me. And I need to respect him for the time that he's put yeah. in as well. There's like an honor well, thing going on. And Henner, Henner changes just a little bit because he adds in an age and weight dimension to the belts. So if you've got like a 40 year old purple belt rolling against uh, a younger blue belt, the 40 year old or, or reverse that pearl belts younger blue belts older yeah. and and uh the the older guy still has cred though because man he's 40 he's 50 he's, he's rolling yeah, still with 100%. 20 year olds yeah and if so, he's a blue belt what i like about jujitsu yeah he just started that is when, it when he was an older man already which is epic. precisely yeah. yeah but there's there's uh the belts are few right but five of them blue yeah. purple brown black so four white yeah. i guess is the fifth uh and so it's they're kind of legit when you get them. Yeah. Like you don't you don't get to be a purple belt till you know you can handle all blue belts. Yeah. Um, and so compared to some of the striking arts where it's like you'll meet an eight year old who's a black belt. I'm not going to name any of them. <laughs> well, I know down, exactly like, yeah. the one you're talking about because yeah. people always yeah. tell me, "Oh, I was a black belt when I was six. Like, yeah. mm, okay, that's yeah. I don't need yeah. to know anything about that then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. So I like that about jujitsu, but also the truth is, like when I've rolled with black belts. You, you kind of think if you've never done, it, you think, yeah, I mean, what does that even mean? How good is that? And then you roll with him like, wow, it's good. Yeah. They know, they know, they know tiny little things to do. They completely change the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny going back and forth because like, you know, in wrestling, I'm, I would be a black belt, you know, I was a division one wrestler, like, but yeah, but it's so, yeah, it's just so, it's so fascinating to think about the, the, um, the respect element, which I really, really like, you want to, you know, Hey, look, you put in all this time, but then also like, if I do respect you when we go, I, I don't have to be like a spaz, but I do need to give you, I, I can't take it easy on you. Cause like that's, yeah, that yeah. doesn't respect you. That's right? disrespectful. Yeah, too, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Well, it's, I was, it's interesting to think about the difference. Cause I have a couple uh wrestlers in the class I teach uh, and it, it takes a while. Cause guard is like the bread and butter, mm -hmm. but being on your back and wrestling is anathema and that you've just lost. So it's yeah. interesting to see them have to make that switch. Like they do bring a lot of skills. So like they're ahead of the game for people compared to people who haven't wrestled, but then there's also some habits they just have to break. Yeah. It, it also depends on the, the wrestler. If you're a mat wrestler, like that was my thing. It comes like okay. all the mat stuff comes super easy, but a lot of times oh, yeah. American wrestling's changing more and more to being more on your feet. And it's really sad. And that's like, yeah, that doesn't transfer over a ton because guys just pull guard and you're like, well, dang it <laughs> yeah yep um i wanted to make this connect so we got the great commission we we kind of jumped into some jujitsu. Yeah, so the, the goal of that yeah. i think that that summarizes so much it tells us what the goal of our of our our work is yeah. to fill the earth with an all god yeah um so how how does philosophy do that and then we can circle all the way back to jujitsu and make this thing make sense yeah oh yeah that's right we were talking about um 
how do you know God is by acquaintance. Yeah. And so people will normally use because they'll, they'll, they'll make like a distinction that you have head knowledge and you have heart knowledge. Oh, yeah, right. And the people with head knowledge, I, I kind of know what that means. I understand that's kind of what I've been getting at today with with academic people who can rattle off a lot of theology. But I would say they don't even have the right head knowledge rather than make a dichotomy between them. Yeah, uh, I think that's what we find Jesus doing over and over. He's encountering Pharisees and they can they can recite the law. He doesn't say your problem is head knowledge. He says you don't even know the law. Yeah. You don't know the basics of a law. So I would I would double down on no, the head knowledge guys, they actually don't know what they should. But then the other common analogy is you would never reduce knowing your wife to knowing propositions. Right. Um, and you wouldn't you wouldn't want to settle for that. And so that's what this is like. And I a hundred percent agree that this is a relationship. I'm okay saying that you have a relationship with God because it, that should blow your mind that you can have a relationship right. with an eternal infinity and changing being. Absolutely right. Yeah. However, if Valentine's Day comes around and you go and buy a card and you write in your card to your wife because you're going to praise her yeah. for her excellencies and you say, you're such a great wife, you do things really well, you cook stuff sometimes, <laughs> good work with your hair and give it to her, you're in trouble. Yeah. You better know things about your wife right. and be able to extol them off the top of your head to everyone you meet. And even if you focus, that's how it should be with God. Yeah, and if you focus all about the stuff that she does for you, also like that's another that, aspect. Yeah, just generic. God, stuff, you, you know? like, hey, God's really good. Like, yeah, he made that sunset the other night, and yeah. he he like keeps the planets in orbit. Great work, God. This stuff is pretty epic, though. Yeah. <laughs> Like give it, give us some details. That's that's what they're doing in Revelation. They're they're praising the works of God as they see them. That's what the Psalms. I mean, you'd have a hard time finding a Psalm that doesn't do that. So how, <clears throat> um, okay, I find that in philosophy, like uh, some of the some of the puzzles that that maybe you don't like as much, or or um, you think you shouldn't spend as much time. Like, <clears throat> I always talk about inverted qualia, and that's because it just drives. It, it's so fascinating to me. That we're the kind of that God made us the kind of beings who can even think about this kind of stuff. And look, I, it is. It, I don't know. I, sh I it's not like I should skip church to be thinking about Skittles and whether my wife can see them the same color as me. But the implications <laughs> that that could have, and and why like that could be used as an argument against physicalism, right? Like mm -hmm. that that stuff blows my mind. Where I'm like, man, God didn't have. He could have made me like my dog. I didn't have to have this kind of re like reflection. That's so crazy. Yeah, me. that should. But isn't that just what Psalm 8 or Psalm 19 is doing? Mm. Reflecting on how God made the world and, yeah. and his greatness. Yeah. So I'm not saying those things are wrong. I'm saying getting caught up in puzzles that don't, I mean, essentially I'm, I'm comparing to the Pharisees. Yeah. You spend your time arguing how much of, how far can I walk on the Sabbath? And you don't even know the spirit of the law. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a whitewashed tomb. Man, I, <clears throat> I think that's so much more for, for theologians than the philosophers I've met, even like the secular philosophers. Um, and maybe it's cause it's a podcast, you know, who, who knows, but, yeah. um, some of the, like, I'll reach out to like a world-class philosopher and they'll, they'll mess me back right back. And they'll be like, Oh yeah, that sounds good. Let's do that. Thanks. Thanks good. for Humble reading that, my yeah. book. Yeah. And sometimes I'll do that with like a theologian and some, sometimes they will be like, I'm just nothing like, Oh, you know, I have, I'm used to this stuff. And like, wait a second in my book, it's like the, the world-class philosopher versus like some theologian, mm. the evangelical theologian, but in the evangelical circles, they're like rock stars because they get quoted all the that's time. That's what happens. Yeah, yeah. That's probably what happens. Nobody's is, quoting like, Chalmers, it, it, but everyone's quoting, you know, whoever. I don't want to precisely, say yeah. 
Well, that I think that's exactly what it is, is the, the philosophy world's a bigger ocean. Yeah. And so there's a lot of mediums or small to medium sized fish, so to speak. Yeah. Whereas the evangelical world, it tends to be hero worshiping anyway. Totally. Right? It has hero pastors that it goes after. And, and we have to quote and, them um, all every Sunday. Like a, yeah. a lot of the churches I've been yep. in, it's like if you don't quote this guy, then did you really, you know, come on, you could have. Well, that's part of why I, one of the one of the things I poke at is C.S. Lewis or Tolkien. I, I've I've liked both. I've read been reading C.S. Lewis as I could read. Yeah. But the hero worship is what bothers me. Where it's like. If if Lewis said it, it's true. I don't even know why it's true. Yeah. He said it, and it's like, come on. It is. It is. Even Lewis wouldn't want that. It is gross. Okay, so one of the jokes I really don't like is when people will be like, "Yeah, this is like, uh, like at the Wade Center in Wheaton. Uh, it's actually a cool place to get a lot of Lewis's books and stuff. And it's cool because yeah, I've been there. I've been. I've been right. I've sat at his desk. I got a picture. Yeah, of his yeah, desk. it's sweet. And then, so yeah. I, I read his um, some of his marginalia, and you have to like bring it out, and they're old books, so there's all this special stuff you have to do. And it's cool because you can see what he thought. That's what I really like. Yeah. But some yeah. people will go and just like, oh, this is a book that Lewis touched. And and yeah, it's yeah. a it's a relic. And they make this joke. Oh, these are evangelical relics. And it actually makes yep. me That's sick. That's what it is. Where I'm like, wait, yep. no, this is gross. And, he and Westmont has the true all. wardrobe. Westmont and Wheaton, they argue who has the true oh, wardrobe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, come on, guys. Like, and it's, so, yeah. or Yeah. It's kind of cool to be like, okay, this is uh, the thing that, that prompted this idea. That's cool. But like wanting to touch yeah. it and like venerate it and stuff it's just like this yep. is kind of gross it is. it's man. the same thing whenever i when I've, I've been to oxford for conferences a number of times and i know if i tell an evangelical i'm going to get the exact same question did you go to the bar where token and lewis uh, yeah. went? yes i went i even before they <laughs> yes, asked did you go to the yes i went there. I've been there <laughs> there's a lot of other stuff in oxford <laughs> so good yeah like you talk to someone someone else in a different you know not in that circle and they're like oh i didn't i didn't i wasn't aware of there's yeah, a bar. i remember I remember quoting uh, in a class with one of my analytic professors. He's like the world scholar for Carnap. And uh, we were talking about something. And I quoted C.S. Lewis. And he was like, you must mean C.I. Lewis. That's so right? good. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. The Lewises. Um, oh, man, it's so good. So, okay. So, let me so you're saying philosophers and theologians. Yeah, philosophers might be somewhat humble. Yeah. That might be like a character trait. Some yeah. might not be. But, but I want to distinguish biblical humility from false humility where you say, I don't know anything and I know that so I can be humble versus I don't know things and I should have, I should be ashamed of myself and repent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I want to, I want to talk about like the, um, okay. So the great commission making God known, especially even more so from a post mill view, how does the, how can a philosopher engage how can they use their work to help uh, the Great Commission? Yeah, I think I think the the connecting verse is Second Corinthians ten five, demolishing all strongholds that raise himself up against the knowledge of God. Yeah. And we're already told by Paul that we're fighting a spiritual war. So this is not like marching politically and demolishing something physically. Ideas have been raised up against the knowledge of God, and one one of the things I find most troubling among uh, young Christians is and even even scholarly Christians I meet, is the kind of naivete about the un, unbelief or the other view. It's very common to find them saying everybody already knows God and they're acting against their knowledge. And that's what you have to do as a Christian is get them to realize that. No, I mean, you just don't understand what's going on in the, in the other person's mind then. They don't believe in God at all. And they have a system that you apparently don't even understand. So the first step is just become aware of the world's religions 
at a, at a at a level maybe I'd say from their perspective, not just read an evangelical book about them, but yeah. what do they think about their religions, right? And and so maybe an English translator said Brahman and God are the same thing, but not really, not not with the definition of God I gave. And I, I, part of this is just like this guy, this guy says he believes X, and you're like, not really, and you're like, well, that's kind of that's kind of rude. Like, what do you mean, like? If he says he believes that, then yeah, right. You know what I mean? He's, like, he's lying to himself or something. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think it does hinge on a particular reading of Romans one, and yeah. and whether or not you think, hey, look, this says they did know God, but they did exchange that for a lie. Precisely. Yeah. They didn't keep it. Yeah. And so whether or not I read it as a historical verse, right, whether that's history, they, or, Adam and Eve knew God. Right. It was abandoned for idolatry. Not every individual person, especially once knowledge means to give an account. No, they don't. So then you get into some kind of weird thing where they do believe it, but they also don't believe it. Yeah. But but so yeah, you find you find out there's there's different views about ultimate reality. Can you prove your view of ultimate reality is true? What you call God? Yeah. And when you say prove, um, I don't know if you mean like objectively to every single person or whether it's like, look, I'm this proof is sound, uh, sound, and you you can reject the. I mean prove. Yeah, I mean prove, not convince. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Convincing is really the work of the Holy Spirit in the terms of regeneration. Yeah. Uh, but your your job is to present a sound argument, and so I use I've been using some examples from Scripture. I call it the School of Abraham, and the Graduate School of Saint Paul. Mm. And so he gave a philosophy lecture in Athens, and he began with general revelation, showing that God the Creator is real. And he Isn't went that from so there cool, to, by the way. That, that's yeah. so cool because that that's actually what it was. You're not. Yep. You're not stretching the uh, the concept there. It was a no, straight right up there. philosophy lecture. Yep, yep. He gave where, a where they and give them? It's yeah. a graduate. Yeah, exactly. It's a as I call it, the graduate school of Apostle Paul. As I train graduate students, I'm thinking I'm trying to make them be able to do that. If they can't necessarily tell me if the present king of France is bald, okay, but can yeah. they show what Paul did in yeah. Athens? And then I, I go back to the, to Abraham and say, look, how did Abraham know what he knew about God? Mm-hmm. He had some testimony. Let's say he has testimony. Let's say the biblical timelines are correct and his life overlapped with Shem. So he has Shem telling him things that happened and Shem overlapped with Melchizedek or uh, sorry, with uh, Methuselah before the flood and he overlapped with Adam. So you're yeah. not going back very far to get what happened in the garden. And so he has that testimony, but still that's just testimony. And by the time of Abraham, there's, uh, there's other religions being formed. With mm-hmm. their own claims to have testimony, maybe he should believe one of those. So the testimony is not a, sufficient, and he already knows God before God speaks to him. So the only answer is Abraham understood general revelation, hmm. and so the school of Abraham is you should be able to know those things also if you want to have the faith of Abraham. Hmm. So um, you have you have rival. Uh testimony evidence from these other you know ancient near eastern type stuff and they're re- re- reinterpreting the flood and all sorts of stuff uh Marta comes in so so that's that means that um this you know sacred sacred testimony let's call it all the way back that one isn't sufficient but then uh there's different interpretations on general revelation right like mm-hmm. yeah it does that not does that not like counteract the sufficiency of general revelation in the well, same the- way that the testimony it would if you're if you're stuck there. But what you'd have to do okay. is, you know, have a sound argument. I'm not suggesting that all of those are sound. I would say you could easily show the Babylonian system's unsound. 
Okay. And I think, I think the Babylonian system is really the system we have with us today with popular religion, which is yeah. this. How so? Yeah. There is an original thing out of it came other spiritual beings that made this world. Mm-hmm. So the original God is distant. He's hidden. If he ex- is exists, he's, it's hard to know him and he may not care about us at all, but there's these other spiritual beings and those are the ones that you can have interactions with. Yeah. And so, for example, you were talking about the, the uh, you know, professional philosophers being kind of humble. It made me remember this time I was at the APA and I was in a room with the big, this is 15 years ago. So if I was to name them, you'd know them, the big names in philosophy of religion. And yeah. one of them had just written a book on the hiddenness of God. And they're talking about, you know, the, the big name, this big name, that talking about it. And I just asked the question, what if it's clear God exists and he's not hidden? Next yeah. moved on. I mean, not doesn't even register as a possibility. They just assume he's hidden. And yeah. I say, yeah, that's the Babylonian religion that starts there. And then the other systems in a weird way that even the materialists say that because they generally have some kind of like being in the background that started stuff out. Yeah. But then we are the local forces like gravity and, and inertia. Those are the things that control our lives. So yeah, the question is for Abraham, can I know God? Can I have that relationship with God, my creator? Is he exist? Is he personal? So I can have a relationship. Does he care about me? And then, then on add on ta- top of that, I've sinned against him. Mm-hmm. Can he forgive me? Those are the kind of things you'd have to be able to show against the Babylonian system and the Egyptian system and the Greek system. Aristotle and Plato are, I would argue, just apologists for that other system. Hmm. What what um I wonder what role like other people's evidence plays uh in your in your view of knowledge. So like uh, I, I don't think that the philosophers of religion would be like, yeah, like they wouldn't want to sign on to the Babylonian view. What if they're saying, well, I know, no. yeah, right. I, I, but, but they um, all say he's hidden. Well, so maybe not to even to them, but just there's a, there's, there's someone who has this experience of God being hidden. And especially on your reading of Romans one, like there are people who don't know God, though they ought to. Yep. Yeah. So then there's this like phenomena of, God being hidden to a certain person. Yeah. It's yep, not subjectively. Me. In fact, yeah. that's the judgment of God in, in, in Romans one. It also says the wrath of God is poured out in giving them darkened minds. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that would just be your answer to the problem of hiddenness, right? It's like, well, that's part of God's judgment. Yeah. So when someone says, well, I don't see God, I would say, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Right. <laughs> so, so would the, is that by, is that saying, isn't that saying that God is hidden though? Well, hidden, uh, I guess it'd be like saying uh, subjectively hidden versus objectively hidden. Yeah. Like me staring at the screen right now my eye, and my eyes work and I'm saying there's no Parker here. He's yeah. gone. All the, the, the I'm, I'm without excuse. Right. Yeah. There's no excuse for that. Now, someone could say someone could say, no, I've been having a dark night of the soul. And I've been wrestling with this for a long time and you seem to be discrediting my wrestling with it. And And there are Psalms about this, a number of Psalms. Lord, where are you? Right. Why is it taking so long for you to do this? Um, and and you, you've had me on before to talk about my commentary on Job, because Job is yeah. asking that. Yeah. But again, how does God answer Job? He doesn't answer him. It's really cringy when I hear most Christians explain the answer, mm-hmm. because it's basically like flexing and saying, who are you to question me? It's not mm-hmm. what he does. He, he, he says, Job, did you know me the way you should have from creation? And he goes through natural theology, 77 questions about natural theology and the created order, at the end of which Job confesses, yeah, I didn't see you as I should have. 
isn't that still kind of a flex though? He's like, look at this, look at this animal I made. And like, well, I think it's bringing it back on Job though. How could you have had said, I did what's right and God, where are you? If you knew these things, Job, you didn't know what you should have. And Job is so ashamed of himself. He yeah. humbles himself and repents. It's not just sort of like, oh yeah, oops. I yeah, did it yeah, again. yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if there's, this is tough to do biblical uh, counterfactuals or something, but if there, if, if uh, let's say Job had known all of those truths prior to um, Satan being, you know, set loose against him, do you think God would have, uh, would have, like also done it again like if if job had all this knowledge well the purpose was that the of it, end goal right yeah that kind of rotates us back to the beginning where you were saying we're talking <clears throat> about skeptical theism the yeah. purpose of this for job was what is called sanctification mm -hmm. and so if job didn't need sanctification would god have sanctified him well no right doesn't need it yeah yeah, yeah but so good. job job had things about himself that he needed to see and he couldn't other with any other way so like yeah like um this didn't happen to so Enoch, right? Like Enoch was just like he just grabbed him. Yeah. And well, so you know maybe, what though, too? The other yeah. thing is God might work in different people's lives. 100%. Different people might come to greater greater depth than others. Or or just the personality that God's made them with. Like I I, yeah. I tell people this all the time because I like when people like roast me and so I like like laughing at myself. Yeah. It's actually if someone if someone gets a good joking on me, it's because they actually know yeah. me really well. So it's actually kind yeah. of love, you know. And I'm from the Midwest. Yep, exactly in the same way. Yeah. So so God will like roast me and like put me in like I'm the butt of the joke yeah. a lot of times. And it's hilarious. But if he did that to my wife, she's not feeling yeah. the same kind of love. Well that's why I find out when I because because when I'm kind of provoking people, it's because I don't mind if you look back because I don't take myself too seriously. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So then I'm like, hey, you probably don't take yourself seriously either. Like, no, I take myself really seriously. Don't joke with me. Yeah. And uh, they should just do jujitsu so that they feel more yeah. confidence. And then they're. Well, that's where fine. you find out you can't take yourself seriously, right? Because you go out there and it's like, uh oh. A hundred percent. It makes everything way worse when you take yourself super seriously. That's why I don't even like yeah. people knowing that I wrestled because it's like, oh yeah. crap. Like, I don't need that. You know, let's just have fun. Well, that's yeah. why I don't know if it was. I don't listen to really either of these guys, Jocko or Joe Rogan, but every now and then you'll see jujitsu quotes from them. One of them said, it might have been Joe Rogan, I think that everyone should, every man specifically should do jujitsu to be humbled. Mm. You start up before jujitsu, you're like, oh yeah, I could take anybody. And then oh, yeah. you yeah, realize, Rogan no, I can't take anybody at all. Yeah, he's he talked about like the average dude who thinks that like I can handle myself if I got in a fight. And yeah. like you have no there's idea a hilarious onion. You know the onion? Yeah. Look that up afterwards. The onion, uh, it's like it's like a fake study about men's confidence in fighting. Oh, nice. It's, it's hilarious, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think knowing God would require, I think the, the, the analogy of the wife is perfect. If you can't yeah. distinguish your wife from some person at the store, you're going to be in trouble when you get home, mm -hmm. right? If your excuse was someone's, your wife says, hey, I saw you with this other girl. What were you doing? Oh, I thought that was you. I, I couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> you're in big trouble, right? Yeah, so if you can't tell me something about God that's not just the unmoved mover, you're in yeah. big trouble. Yeah. Especially if you ought to have known, right? Yeah. Yeah. Precisely. If it, if it was a male, yeah. If it was a mail order bride and you went to pick her up from the airport and you never seen yeah, her before yeah, and you grabbed one. the wrong one, that's completely different. Yeah. 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 yeah like, I'm using this you, one because they, they'll say yeah. you need to have relational knowledge. Absolutely. You should be able to tell me unendingly about the glory of god mm. so so back to the, kind of wrapping up the great commission to yeah. do the great commission it begins with knowing god if you don't okay. know god you can't disciple them 
And when you're discipling them, that's what you're starting in is the knowledge of God. That's the first yeah. and greatest commandment that you love God. Mm -hmm. And if you actually loved God, you'd be able to tell us all kinds of things about God. Yeah. And then it's Second Corinthians ten five, destroying arguments uh, and yeah, all all the pretensions things. that have raised up, and they've said there is no God. Okay, there's something like an unmoved mover, but he doesn't care about us, and, and we don't know much about it. Or, uh, yeah, everything's God. You're God. I'm God. We're all God. I mean, these are the these are the big views that have been out there. Mm -hmm. I had I had Christians because they like Aquinas and Aristotle so much, telling me it doesn't matter if God created the world or it had no beginning as long as he's forming it into what we see yeah. those are big differences god made yeah. the world or he's co-eternal with the world <laughs> yeah 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 i just heard of that the other day where it's like no he's uh eternally gener he's eternally uh creating yeah. and it's, now aquinas and doesn't like, well, believe that yeah aquinas right, says right. that's false but we know only know that from the bible yeah Whereas Aristotle thought, yeah, that's what, that's the case. This isn't the stuff of matter has always existed. Yeah. Um, I wanted, okay. We talked about Job and, uh, his sanctification. God, uh, Genesis 32, God wrestles with Jacob, uh, the, in, you know, angel of the Lord, I think is the first language. Yeah. And then it's like, no. And at the end it's like, and he wrestled with God and it's, and it's like, yeah. Oh snap, dude. Um, that well, was the angel of the Lord. Who, who is that usually in the old Testament? Yeah, so I, I mean, pre-incarnate pre Christ usually. That's what I would say. Yes, um, I I think any humanoid uh, theophany is a pre-Christ Christophany because it and it's tough. I don't want to get into like eternal functional subordination, but it, yeah, it's we like could, fitting, right? Like yeah, yeah, but um, yeah. yeah. But well, the so point is that well, of all yeah, the things the he picked, he could have said, "Hey, there's a tree. Let's see who gets there first. He could have raised him. They could have yeah. had like an arrow competition. Let's see who can hit that thing over there the best. Yeah. He wrestles with him. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I've, and, I mean, uh, I think it's a fitting analogy for the struggle, but I also think it's got to be the case that he picked the sport Jacob knew. Oh, man. So that's fascinating. Maybe Jacob was a really good wrestler. Um, I have to assume that that's like what they would do as a sport. Well, it wouldn't be like. He, he, wouldn't he have lost? I mean, Esau, Esau was a big sons. girly. Yeah. Um, I mean, what sport do you think he did? Chariot racing? Yeah, probably no not, sports? Right? Maybe say, no, there's no sports. That can't yeah, be. And People that's not do true. stuff. Every, everyone wrestles, right? Like every little yep. kid, like, yeah. I want that last thing. I'm going to tackle you or whatever. Yep. So I, I would think he, this was chosen. There is an imagery there of wrestling with sin or wrestling with something. But there's also the idea of something Jacob knew and they're wrestling. And so I think you and I kind of, are attracted to the idea because we'd say, yeah, this is, this really 100%. is the sport. That's right. Oh, well, that's fascinating. Um, it seems like he's probably good at it because he was so confident. Yeah. He didn't know well, that's God, the other thing. but, but he was so confident he that he's like, I'm not going to let you go until like, if you didn't know what you're doing, you're not going to be like, you're not getting out of this. You'd be like, yeah. Oh, I hope I survive. That's the thing. Like in jujitsu, a white belt taps like that, just from pressure. Like, yeah, oh, I'm right. uncomfortable tap. Right. Yeah. Like one of the first lessons you learn is, yeah, you're going to be uncomfortable for the next five minutes. Don't tap just because of that. Yeah. You can so, still breathe. Yeah. He's slow. not only can he last for hours. I think that's, I think that's a famous uh, match between um, uh, Helio Gracie and Kimura. We get the name of the move of the Kimura from him. I think it went three yeah. hours until he like dislocated or Kimura dislocated or broke Helio's shoulder. Yeah. That, that one's funny. Cause uh, so like coming over from wrestling, 
I get a lot of other wrestlers who are like, we had that move in catch wrestling. It's just a yeah. double wrist lock. And so, and there's like all this beef that comes yeah, yeah. beyond it. But, but yeah, that made it super famous. But um, I'm just thinking about the three hour idea, like a five minute roll. And you're like, Oh, I got to give me breath three hours. And here you have Jacob wrestling all night and his hip is dislocated. I love that. And especially I, uh, we were talking about a little bit earlier, but I, as a wrestler growing up, I'm like, look, Jacob wrestled with God, but now as a grappler, a submission wrestler i'm like no this is submission grappling because he said i'm not letting you go until you submit and give me the blessing yeah, give me yep. your blessing and then how did it end he dislocates his hip like that's not a yep. part of rest that's part of jujitsu yeah. that's awesome but it also shows the power just by touching it yeah so this, this one who he's wrestling with could have destroyed him immediately right just yeah. out of out of socket and and yet he doesn't he's wrestling together so I wanted I wanted to go back to um it's a really helpful point that this is probably something that he was good at. Maybe if he was a really good sprinter, it would have been a long ma a long or a marathon run or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Paul uses but, the example of sprinting. I mean a rate yeah, runner. He, should he could have, use that. He should have used wrestling, yeah. Um but okay, so uh I think that there's there is a theological significance too, because the whole nation is is named you know Israel yeah. and like wrestles with God. Yeah. Um which is kind of fun because it's not like submit only. It's like, no, wrestle and strive. What is, yep. is there anything unique about the Christian philosopher wrestling with God? Like, yeah. You got any insights from here? Yeah. No, I think that's a great image. It, and, and the more you know about wrestling from doing it, the more it comes to life for you because yeah. you know what that's like. You're another person. And, and it's just that kind of pure sport where you don't have anything it's not a getting a football it's not getting to the end zone it's just you and another will mm -hmm. and you gotta you gotta work on that so yeah. yeah i think that that's a really good image of what the philosopher does i like that i hadn't made that connection before yeah um <clears throat> well you know plato is named that because he he was a wrestler and so, I I mean, wrestling is common but i think i think this puts it a whole new level because whatever plato says he never recognizes his culpability before god mm-hmm and says, yeah, I'm a sinner who needs who needs redemption. He never recognizes that. So he so Jacob did the true wrestling with God. Yeah. Man, that's good. Um dang, that's good, man. This is uh this has been chat. I think there I have some Pensies listeners who are like, dude, I just want to hear Owen Anderson all the time. And there's some <laughs> who are like, they get so triggered by what you say, especially like the pure <laughs> analytics. This is going to be such a good episode for everyone. Be, you'll either be triggered or you'll, or you'll be either That's right. Anderson. That's right. I love well, that. Well, the man. thing is, like I said, the triggering is, is on purpose because we take ourselves too seriously. And if you get triggered about something, it's probably because you're assuming another thing yeah. and you don't want to have that come out. So let's, let's yeah. just get all the assumptions out there and, and look at them. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So uh, real quick again, what, uh, I'll, I'll put the link in the description, but can you can you give us a plug again for the Great Commission Conference that you're putting? Yeah, in? General Revelation, one word, dot org, and there you'll see our conference tab. You'll also see a courses tab because I I have a number of online courses that you can take with me. Okay. And and just like you, I have a Patreon account also. If people want to come on there, you get kind of special monthly uh, meetings that I do on there. Nice. So yeah, generalrevelation dot org or Doctor Owen Anderson on Patreon. Who 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 should go to uh, the conference? Like obviously everyone should go. Right. But who are, yeah. who are you hoping? What, what type of people they're listening would be like, Oh, this is for me to go. Yeah. You know, we've got uh, theologians, philosophers, historians, even communication professor 
So we're what we're the way the way we're aiming this is is uh any Christian in the pew who wants to know more about it. It's not primarily a philosophy or or theology okay. conference. Those fields cool. come in, but it's for everybody because the idea is that we can and should, we're responsible to do the Great Commission. We can fill the earth with the knowledge of God. Let's get off our, our backs and do it, right? Yeah. Let's get yeah. out there. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, awesome, man. This is uh, just another fascinating installment of the uh, collab between Dr. Owen Anderson and yeah. myself. Yeah, thanks for back. Yeah, man, this was great. I, I think I the future one that, together. you know, you're, you're both of those audiences you mentioned are looking forward to this one is that we're going to meet in person and we're going to roll. Yeah, man. And so that'd be awesome. anybody who says I'm triggered will say, I can't wait for that because I'll admit the outcome. The outcome is you'll submit me. I don't have any doubt about it, but hmm. it's just a question of, you know, how long will this thing last? <laughs> and so that's what the other audience go all like, night. Yeah. yeah. We're going to go all night until you, your, goes. until you give me yeah. your blessing. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Awesome. All right, and I'll folks, always, always have an out. I'll always be able to say, oh, wow, you, you submitted an old 45-year-old. Yeah, Great for you. Right, right, right. That's so good. Um, all right, folks, that's going to have to do it for now. Um, if you guys like this, hey, you know what? Leave me a like and a comment. Let me know. If you were triggered, put it in the comments. I want to hear from you. Uh, if you. If you thought that was a great point, leave a comment. It helps with the algorithm, but also like I, I come back and check them. Uh, Dr. Anderson uh, might come back and, and check them as well. So do that. Uh, again, if you like it, support me on Patreon, support him on Patreon. You can find the links in the description. That's going to have to do it. This has been Parker's Pensies. As always, all glory to God.